I know what everyone expects. Everyone expects me to come on here and say that because the Cowboys squeaked out a win, that we're going to the Super Bowl. Well, everything has a grain of truth in it. The Cowboys are going to the fucking Super Bowl. We just beat one of the top-rated offenses in the league. We destroyed one of the best rookie quarterbacks in the history of the NFL coming off of his rookie year. We squashed him. We shut down one of the premier pass rushers in the league. We're going to the Super Bowl, Ben. We're going to the Super Bowl. We are currently on pace to go to the Super Bowl. If you look at just the last week, we are undefeated. We're 1-0. We are trending. We have not lost a game in over 10 days at this point. Dude, if you look at some of the projections, it's it's really mind-boggling. I'll give you one. Trayvon Diggs, currently on pace for 17 interceptions this year. Yeah, man, he's he's a stud. I think that's a little light. I personally have him at 21 myself. I like um, it. I like it. But, you know, I mean, to each their own. So, Before we get too deep into this hype train, this is Andy Catelli. This is Benjamin Walker. Um, and this is Boys Will Be this Boys. This is Boys Will Be Boys, the premier Dallas Cowboys podcast brought to you by Bud Light, the official beer of the NFL, and Raytheon, the makers of the drone targeting system. If you've got some terrorists that need drone striking, Raytheon is your best choice. And they are proud partners of this podcast. So thanks, and, Raytheon, for your continued support. And uh, Swisher Sweet. Uh, Absolutely. They've been a proud, proud sponsor. Um, Given us a lot of business through the years. We we appreciate and stand by their tobacco product. Decades of putting what I think is technically labeled tobacco into a, a cigar skin, which is devotion. That they're really committed to the bit, which I appreciate. They they really know how to make a quality, quality breakable cigarillo <laughs> very breakable <laughs> cigar where everything will come out in one big chunk it's 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 a high quality product so this is boys will be boys we are coming off of a week two game where the cowboys not gonna lie ben they were going in uh they were on shaky ground they were missing five starters we, we were coming it. off of we, we did call it. it this was a uh and i'm gonna say this right now this was not like a impressive win from a statistical standpoint or anything like that. Nothing to write home about from the stat sheet. But so many times, even if you go back into the archives of this very podcast, you listen to like season one, season two, there's so many games under Jason Garrett where this team would get into situations where they were like an underdog on the road or – they got into a game where they made some mistakes, and so it got became like a dogfight. It was like a real ugly game, or they would be missing some people because of injury. And this team just never won those kind of games, it, whether it was like a heart issue, a culture issue, a will-to-win issue. That was just not the kind of game I ever counted on the Cowboys to win. The Cowboys won games where things ran according to schedule. And 
to their credit, despite a bunch of really ugly mistakes that we will catalog here shortly, um, they did enough to win. And they came out uh, very shorthanded, calling some crazy audibles, whether it's starting uh, a former undrafted free agent at the right tackle spot, or if it's asking your first round pick rookie star middle linebacker to play defensive end for the first time since high school uh, and defeated uh, what some have called a pretty exciting up and coming team in the NFL uh, with led by a guy who's coming off of, um, I don't want to use hyperbole, but Justin Herbert, he was rookie of the year. It's probably one of the better uh, rookie seasons for a quarterback ever. He had 31 passing touchdowns as a rookie, which is a record. Um, He's very, and and he did make some throws in this game that I was very impressed by. The kid has got a bright future. Um, And the Cowboys defense and offense both did enough to win this game. Um, so I guess we'll start. We'll start there, Ben. Give me your your overall thoughts on this game, and then we'll dive into the details. Yeah, look, you could if you want to be doom and gloom and make the argument this team could be zero and two, then you know have at it. But uh, wins are wins in the NFL, and you you hold on to them dearly, man. I mean, they are they are hard to come by. Every cliche you want to use about. Um, any of these games can flip anyone, any given Sunday, all that, all that comes into play. Um, Good it's teams hard to find a way, man. NFL. And uh, this team could just as easily be two and O as O and two, but you know, some days the coin flips your way, the sun shines your way and your kicker bails out a terrible mismanagement of the clock situation and hits a 56 yarder a week after he misses probably the field goals that lose you the game. So yeah, it's, it's a it's living on a, a knife's edge, man. Um, and Absolutely. ultimately, I think any way you you find a way to win, whether it's ugly or pretty, you take it in this league, and and especially on the road. And so, yeah, I think there was a lot there that um, I don't know if concerning is the word, but yeah, it wasn't the prettiest game. Um, the offense really just went through spurts where they didn't have the ball forever. The defense only gave up 17, but if you told me the defense played bad, I also could see that because I think the Chargers had seven straight drives that reached our 35-yard line. moments type situation. Yeah. They could not stop this team on third down, and they God. could not stop them in third and long, which was especially frustrating. Um, it felt and like was- for stretches of this game, anytime it was third and 10-plus, they would get a 20-yard completion every time. Oh, yeah. And and penalties on both sides. I mean, this is one of those games I know both fan bases walked away being completely pissed off at the referee situation, um, either from no calls, bad calls, questionable calls, uh, calls we, that we took can, away we'll, touchdowns, we'll calls that took away interceptions, calls that I, took I away. Have some, I have some thoughts sources. because I want to remind everyone listening to this that <laughs> last week on this very podcast, I said that – of course, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where the refs can lose you the game. But if you're going to tell me as a Cowboy fan, like, oh, boo-hoo, you blame the refs, they lost you the game, blah, blah, blah. Don't come to me for sympathy when it goes the other way and it hurts your team because you'll get zero from me. Like, do, do I think that that sack was bullshit that, that Micah got? Yeah, most likely. Do I think that it's any more or less bullshit than the phantom PI call that got you your first touchdown in this game. Not really. So 
I'll call or, it pretty much even. Are you talking about the one on Curse where he got the Yeah, where the he, he got an interception wiped out. That that drive ended up being a touchdown. Like that shouldn't have occurred. So Or or the illegal shift that they didn't ever really showed exactly. I did not yeah, I never got to see a re- a replay of that, which seems like it'd be important, but I they decided did, it wasn't. And <laughs> whatever they called it, that's all I'll say. So fuck it. I was gonna say, man, like look, like that that's that this is the consequence of us having been through so many of those situations on the other side. Like if you're gonna have if you're gonna tell Cowboys fans over and over again, like, oh boo-hoo, dude, the refs didn't lose you the game, you lost the game. Okay, man. Well, you know what? You didn't we the refs didn't lose you this game. Your stud quarterback threw an interception in the end zone, threw two more picks, only one of which counted. And your start, your stud, all everything pass rusher got absolutely stonewalled by a backup undrafted free agent right tackle from Texas Tech. So there's Reckon, the game baby. for you. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. I mean, it really was a coin flip of a game. You know, total yards, we had 419. They had 408. We had one turnover. They had two turnovers. We had 25 first downs. They had 24 first downs. Time of possession was almost dead even, which is shocking to me because it felt like they had the ball all fucking game. Um, yeah. And Especially penalties. that middle section, like the end of the second, the end of the second or the first half into the second half where they got the ball again. It felt oh, like our dude. offense didn't touch the field yeah, so, for like an hour. So transparent. I missed the first quarter. I was doing uh wedding shit with the, with the misses to be. Yeah. Um, so I got there like beginning of second. I'm like, cool, we're up 14 to three. And then for about an hour, it felt like I just watched the Chargers dink and dunk their way to, to, <laughs> to inside our red zone before they would inevitably screw it up. And penalties were, were huge on both sides. 80 yards for us, 99 for them. I mean, it was a sloppy game. Uh, it was a sloppy game. The rest are also, I will say, like just in general, and I think Chargers fans would agree with this, just a very flag-happy game. Like they're they were not letting anything oh, go. Yeah. Um, now they were letting some stuff go, and then they like Amari Cooper getting go. mugged yeah. on fourth down, which was crazy. Um, but bizarre game from that perspective. Um, I do want to call out just a couple of players. I thought that on on the Cowboys that had a tremendous game. Uh, I'll leave the most controversial that I I know you, that we have to talk about, but you know I don't want to talk <laughs> about. I'll leave that for last. Uh, but the guys I want to call out as having a great game. Number one, Zach Martin. Uh, returned to action this week for his first game of the year after being out with COVID week one. Uh, posted the best PFF grade. I know everyone doesn't love PFF, but it's just a good, you know, just a benchmark for you to have in your head here. The best PFF grade of any offensive player, not offensive lineman, offensive player in the NFL. I saw a great sh- shot that someone got of Zach Martin on some snap blocking two dudes, one with each arm, and holding him off so Dak could get a pass off. He played out of his mind. Yeah, uh, tremendous game on the ground down. for the Cowboys. The Zeke touchdown was largely Martin making that hole, and a good cut by Zeke, but that was right behind Zach Martin. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give him his his flowers. Number two, uh, after a week of pretty much just getting shit on by everyone, Terrence Steele showed the fuck up, and the man deserves yeah. uh, some props from this fan base. Um, this is a guy that he did struggle last year, which to be expected, you're an undrafted free agent getting thrown in with almost no warning. And um, 
I know a lot of people probably don't watch a ton of Texas Tech football. Not exactly the greatest offensive line factory you've ever heard of in the NCAA. And Terrence Steele was, frankly, not someone I was aware of while he was at Tech. <laughs> I didn't really know who that was. Um, he played his ass off on Sunday. Uh, he was going up against Joey Bosa, who is a stud, had a killer game the week before against Washington. Uh, and Joey Bosa had three tackles, no tackles for loss, no sacks, no pressures. Um, Terrence Steele shut him down. Now, obviously, they were giving Terrence uh, help, but on several plays that I, I went back and watched the All-22, Terrence Steele just straight up stones Joey Bosa by himself, which is incredible. Um, so huge props there. Uh, and then finally on offense, I got to give our both of our running backs some props here. I know people are very in love with the man, Tony Pollard, right now, and rightly so. Uh, Tony had an incredible game. Uh, the playmaker from Memphis, uh, 13 carries for 109 yards uh, with another three catches for 31 on the ground, eight and a half yards a carry. He was nasty the whole game, just a really great burst. He got to the second level over and over again. He was just taking off huge chunk plays, getting to the outside, refusing to go down. Um, Tony had an incredible game. He scored a great touchdown. Um, Rewatching that touchdown play, so on the first drive, this the first drive ends with this goal line uh, kind of cool Kellen Moore classic trickeration running play. I don't know if you noticed this. They let Joey Bosa just free blitz on that play. It was almost like an arena football play where it was like so much motion and misdirection that they just knew that the scheme was going to allow for Joey Bosa to not interrupt that play. And to their credit, it worked out perfectly. Tony got to the outside, made a cut, pushed through one guy and made it into the end zone. So Tony got his touchdown, put up, like I said, eight and a half yards of carry with a long of 28. Incredible day for him. Uh, Tougher sledding for Zeke, obviously, but Zeke's on the field. It's a different look from the defense. Um, but Zeke had a much better day than last week. He got 16 touches uh, on the ground and caught another two balls for 26. So he ends up with uh, 97 yards on 18 carries or on 18 touches, uh, four and a half uh, yards per carry on the ground with his own touchdown with a long of 19. Um, People spent a lot of time this week debating more touches for t Tony. He was better than Zeke, et cetera. I just came away from it being like, we've got a, a good problem on our hands. We have two really great weapons on the ground. Uh, the Cowboys put up two, almost 200 yards rushing, 31 carries for 198 yards, six and a half yards of carry, two rushing touchdowns. Um, that's, that's exactly what you want out of your run game, is to be that effective to where you don't need to run Zeke you don't need to run anyone 25, 30 times. Um, you can run the ball 30 times, but you, you divide it up so that everyone's effective, everyone stays fresh. I thought it was a really great game plan by Kellen to use the, the running game that effectively. Yeah, I, uh, I think the run game was, was super solid. It was You can't find two teams that play defense more opposite than Tampa and the Chargers. So it's yeah. good to see how Kellen and McCarthy adjusted that. We were very pass-happy week one, very run-happy week two, uh, more runs than passes this week. And, you know, I think um, 
Pollard is is a legitimate weapon. People love, like you said, there's 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 people who are calling for Zeke's head. I don't one, they're never going to do that, so it's pointless to to even go down that road. And two, uh, they work well in tandem. So yeah, I think you know to once again Kellen's credit, uh, find a way to use both. You have a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. Um, Amari Cooper, for instance, was very quiet. I know he got a little banged up in this one, uh, but he had a really quiet game. Said he catch on the last drive though. He did, and you know, um, this was the running back game, right? And CD had yep. another nice game, but that's what you're going to do. Getting involved in the running game, they ran like a they ran like a yeah straight up the gut run with CD playing eye back, which was crazy, but I loved it. It worked really well. He got like 13, 14 yards. Yeah, you know, I I heard. A breakdown, or I guess I read a breakdown on Twitter that it's kind of the most one of the most underused things, and I can't remember who they credit starting it, but I saw the Rams game. They lined Cooper Cup at running back, had him on a route, and he scored an easy touchdown. So it's kind of, um, I think you'll, you know, how the NFL is. Someone comes up with something a little, a uh, little ingenuity, and it. Well, if you can, if you can put a, on. if you can figure out a way to get a receiver into that position and not draw a DB and so their matchup becomes like linebacker on CD lamb and then run them out for a wheel route or whatever. Like suddenly you've created Boom. Um, a well, really plus, great mismatch. Plus the defense is going to think you're going to pass with a receiver back there. Yeah. So then you can run and take them off. I mean, it's a great little uh, misdirection, right? Slide of hand stuff. So, um, but going back to the run game, I, I just want to say, you know, people wonder what is this going to do? Are they going to switch? I, I think they'll continue to do what they've done the first two, three weeks, you're going to have weeks where Zeke isn't a big part of the offense and it's all Amari and it's all, or the tight ends and, and CD. And then the next week it's going to be a Zeke week or Pollard's going to be the, the flavor. Cause they're going to want to bounce it to the outside. Zeke, Which is, is good. I think, I mean, it makes it cause if you're, if you're the Eagles next week, you go watch film on the Cowboys. What do you key in on? What do you prepare for? Like, right. who do you take away? You know, yeah. like who, you can't because I mean, you could you take away you Amari. You could, Amari could have the exact same game he had this week: three catches for twenty-four yards, and you could still lose. Yeah, right. And you could take away Ceedee Lamb, and then Amari Cooper's going to feast in one-on-one coverage. If yeah, you put or Slay stack the it, box you know? to stop Zeke, and then yeah, you're and then we're gonna, week one, six, like, and then you're getting sixty passes. I mean, this offense is is potent, and I, I love how we're adjusting. We don't have like a hey, we're going to go out and just pound. You know, uh, there used to be this talk in this town, and, and it worked in you know 2014 and 16. We have an identity. They're a downhill run team. Yeah. And look, I think that's great, but I, I think the identity has now shifted to kind of the modern NFL, which is a lot of uh, misdirection, a lot of different ways to attack you. Well, um, outsmarting your opponent rather than yeah. – because when you, when you choose to do that, like – we're going to out overpower you. That does require the personnel, a, the personnel. And I love our offensive line. I still, I think they have the personnel to do a lot of interesting things. I don't know if they are the machine they once were, where it's like, we're going to open a, tr- a hole that a truck can drive through every right. single well, down and let Zeke run through it. Like look at the Browns. The Browns do exactly what we used to do because they have the running backs and they have the offensive line. Right. You know, yeah. you, you play to your strengths if you're a smart team. And I just love that. I think 
I've gotten to a point where I do trust Kellen on those. I still get mad when he gets a little cute at times, but this game he does I love to get complaints. cute. This game, uh, uh, I really have no complaints other than you know the the, the one moment of of Kellen uh, frustration for me was there was a play in the third quarter where we were second and four. And we yes. tried to do one of those little like yeah. out passes to CD, and he just got blown up immediately. Um, so do we're, this is the drive we're running really well. We're attacking. Mm-hmm. We haven't had the ball in a while, remember? And we have a chance to take kind of a sizable lead, or at least you know a two score game. And we get it to yeah, you're right. Second and four, six minutes in the third quarter, and we run this awful formation, and we just dump it. And a little bit's on Dak. Dak can't throw that ball. There's the the man corner yeah. right there. I know you trust your. It was a little high too, so CD had to jump for it and had no time to I, even make I, a move. I found the I found the drive. So it's we start at our own twenty five. It's a Zeke for six, then a short pass to Lamb for four, then Zeke right up the gut for nineteen. So this is a great. That's Zeke's longest run. This is like a great drive. Then a short pass to Pollard out to the wing. He gets 13 yards. Then Zeke up the gut for five. Then a short, and then, so now you're first and 10. Uh, that was the first and 10 play on the Chargers 33. Then it's second yeah. and five at the LA 28. And you do that little dump off to CD. He gets minus four yards. Derwin James comes up and just sticks him. And now you're third and nine at the 32. Dak gets sacked for a 10-yard loss, yep. and you punt on 4th and 19. But you get a delay a game, which we can talk yeah. about that. But that's become a weird pattern with this team, that delay of game is in their wheelhouse now all of a sudden. But, yeah, no, I totally agree with your analysis on the running backs. I think one thing that I do really like about Kellen is that I do think that there are some teams that – uh, if you had a guy like Pollard who's making a million bucks total and a guy like Zeke who's making 15, Pollard's getting five touches and Zeke's getting 20 touches or 25 touches or whatever. And I think both because of the guys that they are, because Zeke has shown himself to be a, a great teammate, a good leader, and because of the guy Kellen is where he's like, I'm going to do what's a, what's effective. Um this was a game where the plan worked out to where they were like, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be more of an even split, right? Like a 13 to 16 touch breakdown. Um, and the fact that there isn't as much gravity on star players like there once was, like I, I used to feel like we did try to like, we got to use Des more and Dak would just try to like throw a hundred passes at Des, even if they were poorly placed and not a good idea. Um that's definitely something we've been guilty of in the past. And certainly Cowboys fans get into the rhythm of like, dude, just fucking feed Zeke, dude. Just like run it 47 times with Zeke, dude. Just pound the rock. Well, and like, you just can't do that. Uh, yeah. A lot of this is on the Jones family as well. Right. I mean, Jerry oh, yeah. and Steven, whoever you want to, I mean, Zeke sells jerseys, bottom line. Yep. Like Jalen Smith sold jerseys and they kind of, they don't make a lot of tough decisions very often, and they sort of just tell McCarthy and company to figure it out. And I think there's a slight difference where Jalen clearly's gotten played off the field, and where although let's let's Zeke, be fair, I he think had a just, decent game. On he had Sunday. a good game. Yeah, so let's flip this. We'll get to we'll defense. get to defense. Um, yeah, let's get to defense. Um, I I mean, a lot of guys on defense had a great day. First of all, let's talk about how this defense 
is leading the NFL in turnovers through two weeks. Wild. That's yeah, crazy. And it's not – so, like, last year at the end of the year, they had this run of games where they had a bunch of turnovers. And those all felt very, like, tip balls and kind of, like, lucky Look, turnovers. Takeaways in general don't compute like year after year over year over year and in general takeaways are a bit fortunate like you have to get the right bounce the ball gets tipped in the right direction or your db catches one that he doesn't drop i mean but i'll 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 give a i'll steal something i heard hellman say which is um you know in the first game when brady tried to throw that screen pass to leonard Fournette, and it went a little was a little high and it went off his fingertips and it dropped right into trayvon Diggs's hands that is a play where in years past that falls through our guy's hands and he's pounding on the turf and doing push-ups or whatever, doing the hand clap, all that shit that guys do when they drop a, a easy interception. Yeah, I um, think and I they think seem the to just with, be getting their hands on the ball this year, I, which is I, really great. I do, and I think I think the same thing with Casey's pick. I mean, that's one in the past where we easily could have looked back and like, damn, if he had had that interception. I mean Look, terrible that was throw a by good Herbert. pick, dude. But it was a good pick, though. Like it was a a high velocity ball. It, like he got caught a ball. Yeah, but I mean, Keenan Allen had fallen over. I mean, it was it was either him definitely, or nobody. Definitely, so, absolutely. Like Diggs is a that's a mere that's an amazing takeaway. Diggs straight fucking monster. The, the, like, you're talking is, about the on like the first possession. Yeah, yeah, that was that an was amazing a, pick. Casey was right place, right time, but he didn't drop it, to your point. Diggs is like having a special talent that can <laughs> – like that ball should not have been picked most cases. That's just an incredible play defensively. I've repeated this stat 100 times this week, but the entire 2020 DB class has nine total interceptions. Trayvon Diggs has five of them. The kid you know is a he- monster. You want to guess how many interceptions Byron Jones had in his Dallas career? I think I saw this. So in 14 starts, Trayvon has five. I think in 79 starts, Byron had two. Yes. (laughs) But, hey, we had to pay the guy. You just had to pay him. Well, he he played the receiver, not the ball, okay? He wasn't some showboat like Trayvon Diggs, all right? He didn't want the glory. He just wanted to shut guys down, which – I saw Jeff Cavanaugh was – didn't like, you know, he took offense with that tweet. And he goes, you would be so pumped if if he was your number two corner. I was like, yeah, because our number two corner is Anthony fucking Brown. Like, (laughs) yeah. There's a difference, you know, like that's yeah, dude. And if we were paying, if, if we were paying our, if we were paying our number two corner sixteen million dollars, and Trayvon Diggs was as good as he is, I would still be pissed. Like, that would be absurd. I mean, I, I know the Dolphins fans are not stoked that he's their number two corner and yeah, he's making sixteen million dollars a year. Go, yeah, the the Dolphin, and not just Dolphin fans, like the guys like us, the people who like live and breathe dolphins football which is funny to me but hey i guess everyone does uh you know good for team. them man i i respect yeah. that bro like don't be a walmart fan that's like no nah, bro i just like rogers and brady dude yeah yeah i think um i don't think they're very happy with old byron so you know i don't even think Byron's a bad player he's just vastly overpaid and sharing a position with one of the best ball hawks in the nfl Xavier howard is a legitimate gangster dude like and this is this is this is kind of my whole point i i get people who 
and we don't even think Byron's bad is the funny bit. He just didn't take the ball away. Like I'm the type of my he also preference. Got, he also got roasted on occasion in key moments. I rewatched that Seattle versus Dallas 2018 yeah. playoff game, and in the most key down with a minute to go on the goal line, he gets roasted for the the key touchdown that could have lost yeah. the game for us. Well, uh, but he also had a hell of a like, 2018, 2019, whatever it was, the year yep. he was like PFS. He played a really good corner. year at corner. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a good player. My, my point is it, it's a preference thing, right? Like it's, there's certain guys that DBs that are ball hawks generally get beat more. And we've seen that with digs, but they also give you these flashy takeaways. I like that in a DB more than a guy like even though Revis was a stud or or Byron and I can't Namdi Osimhen Osimhen was a huge yeah. example of this where it was just like and they take away really one takeaways. side of the field yeah that's, but that's yeah fine. no one, one throws at him yeah it's the same exactly. and I made the same argument you know when when uh, Jeff was saying you know he's like well give me the guy and he's talking about Pollard that can go two yards one yard three yards twenty eight yards twenty seven yards you know break off a 50 yarder than the guy who's going to go four, four, five, seven, four, five, seven. And it's like, it's a, it's a preference. This is the same thing. Give me the guy that's going to take the ball away than the guy who's going to just not get thrown at personally. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. And just, I know we're re kind of reverting to the, the running back discussion. Let's be very clear here. Tony Pollard is so effective because he's used correctly. Just like Felix Jones was used correctly just like joseph randall was used correctly well, these guys Felix are was at one point and then we tried that's what to make that's, what, I, that's what i'm saying is like these guys are are really good when they are a change of pace fresh set a of legs hitter. yeah that you that you go out there and they do rip off a big chunk of yards because the defense is used to seeing one speed and they see another or they use different packages for this guy if you if zeke goes down and Pollard's got to run into the teeth of the defense 22 times. And we saw this last year. We did this one game where Zeke couldn't play. We Pollard got shut down. Like Pollard is not in his college career. He's not a bell cow. He's not going to be 3 2 one, 28. He's, he's not, look, he's, he's 28 a- bench, <laughs> comes out 28 again, bench. <laughs> like yeah, that's what he's there for. And like you said, to your point, used correctly. I mean, it's the same thing. Des ran different routes than Cole fucking Beasley because, <laughs> yeah, you know, you you throw his strengths. Des is a jump ball guru. We don't use Amari that way. You know, we let Cole run all the slot routes because that's what he excelled in. Like you, you find strengths for guys. Like I yeah. would argue, Michael Gallup's our best downfield receiver. He's the guy when I really want our to one on one down the road. These exactly. are guys probably going to come down with it. You know, you find. But I would not. I would not so. want to. I wouldn't want to have Gallup be our number one receiver and throw him throw at him twenty times a game. Probably at right. least not. And like, he's not going to give you the same thing that Amari's going to give you, where he's going to like decimate dudes on short routes and give you intermediate stuff. So I'll say this to to end the running back discussion. Uh, glad to see TP Ball. To all those people who said they were right, take your victory lap. Have fun with it. I just. You're not going to get Memphis your wish of him becoming. Good. You're not going to get your wish of him becoming your every down back in Dallas. He's going to be what he is, and hopefully he can get. And that's like a, dude. That's a good gonna, thing. That is an absolute good thing to have. And I swear, and we got to come up with a better title in the NFL than Thunder and Lightning because we use it every single time. There's a power back and a scat back duo. 
But oh, I've been hearing bash and dash, a, which is just as bad. Also, also overused. But the point being, having 2021 out there, you know what I mean? Having both Zeke and Pollard, because they have different skill sets. You know, it's Zeke who can turn four yards into eight yards or zero into three yards. And it's Pollard who can slip through a door crack and turn it into a 30-yard game. And both of those skills are incredibly useful. Yeah, and I just know people are going to get pissed when we play in a week or two. Like, Pollard might have five touches next week, and that would not be a mistake on Kellen's part. Like, that might just be the game plan. It might just be what they think the fit is, but there's going to be a game where Zeke is ineffective and Pollard doesn't touch the ball and people will lose their well, shit. And, and that's once and once just, people have the people that have like happen. hitched their wagon to Pollard, like there is no wrong answer. So like when if Pollard does get a bunch of touches and he gets shut down, like it's not effective, they'll just be like, oh dude, well uh, Zeke would have gotten way it would have been even worse if Zeke had gotten those you know what I mean? So it's like you know oh, yeah, we already win. We already saw it week one where Zeke didn't, you know, score that TD. And I was critical of him. But I, I did see people flip it like Pollard would have scored that. I was like, maybe. maybe. And if he didn't, and if he, and if he did it, no one's going to be like, oh, 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 yeah. He probably oh. Zeke. Well, here's the thing. Absolutely, people would have said that's for Zeke. If yeah. Why is Pollard <laughs> getting that crucial goal line touch when you have a $15 million running back on, on your team? That would absolutely happen. So the correct answer was to, to run that play to Zeke. Um, but yeah, so the, the defense though, from a secondary perspective, they've been much better. Now they were, they are still giving up these big chunk yardage plays in the passing game, mostly because again, Anthony Brown just gets abused, dude. The second touchdown to Mike Williams was infuriating to watch. Like he has the boundary. All he has to do is push Mike Williams out. He has like 10 yards of space to do it. And he just like lets Mike Williams bump him down the field into the end zone. It's so maddening to watch. Well, he's just been a guy his whole career that's really been our number three, sometimes four corner. And we're just stuck yeah. in a place due to personnel that he's our number two. I mean, it happened when Jeff Heath was safety. Like you play that guy 60 snaps in a game or 70 snaps in a game which is what he's getting by necessity, he's going to look bad in a lot of them. And it's yeah, that's unfortunate because I don't hate lockdown Ant Brown, but he ain't locking much down anymore. We, we do need to replace – if he can go back into like a rotational guy, I think he's fine. But, yeah, we do need a legitimate starting number two. Um, which Kelvin I will also say – Hopefully that, but we haven't seen it. I want to give a, a shout out to the much improved safety play of the Dallas Cowboys. Now oh, coming into good. this game, uh, Donovan Wilson was uh, ruled out like the day before the game. Hey, real um, quick, are we the only two who aren't super high on Donovan Wilson? I've never been mega impressed personally. I, I for me, he's a he's like, he's a, like a fan one, favorite. He's like a one trick pony. He's a really hard hitter, which I love. Uh, he's definitely sticks guys and he creates turnovers, but he's, he, he's very much what I thought Keanu Neal was going to do more of, which is kind of like a hybrid safety linebacker. Like he's, he's definitely more in the run stopper hitter department than he is like coverage ball skill, any of that. Um, well, just cause he was out this week. People were like, Oh, and another starter out. And I was like, yeah. I don't know if this one really matters personally. Yeah, I, I mean, but uh, again, just like your another question mark is out there. So, um, but that was filled by kind of the curse, Kazi, and the debut of Malik Hooker. 
Um, and I got to say, uh, Malik Hooker had some plays, dude. That one tackle for loss where he burst through the line and, and stuck the Austin Eckler in the backfield was really impressive. Dude, um, Jaron Curse had a huge day. Jaron Curse is a, is a is a really good player. He had um, a, he had the pick that was taken away robbed. with a, a shit penalty, and then he had another almost pick due to somebody getting some good pass rush. Um, and he kind of dropped that one, but he still had a nice bat away. So he should have had that. That pick was his man, and he he. I would not if I'm there if I'm the secondary coach. I'm not telling him to change a thing about how he covered that guy. It was perfect. He, I don't think there was any kind of contact that would have precluded a catch. That sucked. But they played really excellent. And then I got I got to give it up, dude. Let's just get to the the star of the show. I know. I was going to say, I can't the believe The rookie, we're... Micah Parsons, dude, a.k.a. The Truth, a.k.a. The Goat. This kid, man. So, like we said at the beginning, coming into this week, this rumor kind of started, I guess, like Friday, Thursday, Friday. They were like, yeah, Michael Parsons is going to get some snaps at DN. And we were like, huh, that could be cool, you know, like because we because obviously we were missing both starting DNs uh, with Lawrence and Gregory out. And so you're thinking it's going to be some combination of Dorrance Armstrong and I guess like Kamara, Anai, Basham. Basham. So you're just like, oh, this is going to suck. Um, Michael Parsons went out there. He didn't really play true D end. He was definitely playing pass rush specialist. He's rushing from a standing position, very DeMarcus Ware type. Von Miller. Von Miller type approach. Um, now, when he went against uh, when he went against uh, Rashawn Slater, that was kind of a no go. Uh, Rashawn Slater played an excellent game, and he managed to be pretty effective against Micah. On the other side, uh, on the other side, against Storm Norton, which let me just go ahead and say this: amazing name. I mean, great name. I thought I thought it was a nickname or someone was calling him. Bro, how did you not get your kid to be like a four-star general in the Marine Corps when his name is Storm Norton, dude? That's incredible. So, or a fighter jet pilot. Yeah, there's a lot of great professions where if you'd been named Storm Norton, you'd be sick. Even a great running back. A great running back? That would have been sick. Yeah. Dude, or like a like a wet like a big market weatherman. Like you're the San Diego weatherman. You used to play for the Chargers. Now you're the you're the weatherman. They're like, let's go over to Storm Norton to see what what, what the rain's gonna be like this weekend. That would slap, dude. So but unfortunately, hmm. Storm had a pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty cloudy weekend, if I dude, do say so myself. Nice. Um, Micah terrorized this guy, dude. Micah dude, straight Micah up terrorized this guy. So the fact that Micah, Micah only got one one sack, which is, as we said, was very questionable called. But fuck it, man, it would have been, in my opinion, intentional grounding either way. Um, but dude, Micah was getting pressured damn near every other snap. He had the highest pass win rate in the NFL and I believe was like PFF's top pass rusher this week. He ends up with a sack, a tackle for loss and eight QB pressures. <laughs> He's doing all kinds of sweet pass rush techniques. And again, this is a guy that has not played pass rusher since high school. So this is like, no, this isn't like a guy that's like had polish where he's gotten to work. 
uh, a ton. I know we worked a little bit in the off season with DeMarcus Ware on pass rushing specifically, but um, now this has opened up a new conversation around, okay, if he's this good, do you let him go back to linebacker once people are healthy? Do you keep him at D end? Uh, obviously a premium D end is a lot more valuable to a franchise than a, a premium linebacker. Um, the way I've come out at, at first, I was, I was pretty hyped by that, that prospect. The, the two things that have kind of come into my head afterwards thinking about it are one, uh, he was going up against backup right tackle storm Norton. Um, so when he's going up against like, you know, the Tyron Smiths of the world, uh, probably won't be as effective, at least at first. Two is, I actually think it's better if he is not really boxed into one role at all. Like if the defense is having to, or if the offensive line and the quarterback are having to locate him on every play, is he playing linebacker? Is he playing outside linebacker where he could drop into coverage or could rush? Is he lining up on the end to come rush the quarterback? Is he blitzing for the linebacker spot? I think keeping him in that kind of like, do it all type stance is probably the most effective use of an athlete that gifted um, his closing speed. I know the sack is questionable, but his closing speed on Herbert on that play was otherworldly. It was truly nuts to see him close yeah. that gap. He had some inside moves that were, I mean, mind boggling. We haven't seen a pass rusher do that in Dallas since I'm, I'm not using hyperbole here. DeMarcus Ware. Like yeah, maybe just say tanks top season. We haven't seen a guy get after the quarterback that effortlessly since then. And if Justin Herbert wasn't so fucking big and gifted himself, he would have been set. If that was a lesser quarterback, he would have been sacked four times. I mean, Michael yeah. would have had like a three, four set game. I mean, Her Herbert got just out of about three or four. I get to tell his drive. Yeah, I mean, he, he got a, Micah got four QB hits. And even that last one, he technically got out of. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he got like four oh, yeah. QB hits and he was he all over catching flags. So he was getting there with microseconds to spare. Um, what What is your opinion on the move him to the end conversation? No, I I say, you know, you don't need to, to go there right away. Um, certainly give him reps there and certainly give him a, a bunch of opportunity, especially if we – get a lead and we know they're going to pass a lot or passing downs and let him just go after the quarterback. Hell yeah. But I still like the idea of him kind of, if he can handle it, which I think he can. And if you have a defensive coordinator, you trust, which I'm beginning to with DQ. I saw a real great breakdown of how he confused Justin Herbert all game. Um, DQ showed a lot of pressure and then went really back done off. a good job so far. I got to give DQ credit, man. I mean, it's not like they're, they're not, uh, they're not so lights out that it's like the strength of the team or anything. Obviously they're not limiting Tom Brady to 20 points and they're not shutting everyone down or anything, but they're, no, I mean, they're, they're creating chaos. They're, they're creating turnovers. They're, they're not a liability I mean, is the yeah. main thing. I mean, hell they're, they're giving up 700 passing yards in two weeks, but they are looking better for sure. What did they're I, what did I say to start the season, man? I said they, all they need to be is 20% better than last year and we'll win 10 games. Yeah, you know, the, the get-up guys, and I rarely watch this show, so it was a miracle that, that I even caught this, but, you know, I'm not a big Orvalski or, or Rex Ryan guy, but they were breaking it down, and Rex, who, who at his peak was a very smart defensive mind himself. Absolutely. Um, 
as the head coach of the Jets, I mean, he was talking just one, how impressed he was with Micah and two, just Dan Quinn and like the little things he was doing about how he's like, look, it's easy if you have like a safety or, or, you know, two linebackers talk like, okay, you look like you're going to blitz, but it will jump back and all blitz. Like you just have like little communication, but to get the whole team he's saying to buy into like, Hey, we do here. Then we all fall back. Like that's coordinated. That takes a lot of practice and trust. And Dallas pulled it off. You know, he highlighted a few plays where it, clearly confused the shit out of Herbert and he had to either dump it down in the flat for no gain or get rid of it. Um, I was really impressed with DQ, really impressed with Micah. And, um, you know, I, I uh, really impressed, you know, going back to offense, Kellen. I mean, I love our coordinators right now. Yeah. I think if there's one thing, uh, the, the trifecta that I have seen so far that's been effective is the two coordinators are doing a really good job. And, McCarthy has struck the two important notes that I think will make him successful in Dallas, which is one, let his coordinators have the latitude to do a good job, right? Like I do not get the feeling that he's meddling or anything like that in uh, disallowing or anything micromanaging the way Dan Quinn runs the defense or Kellen runs the offense. They're both very, when you watch those units on the field, they're very clearly have the signature and fingerprints of those two guys. Now that's also kind of biting us in the ass on special teams where you got a, a special team coach in John Fossil, who is known for this like hyper aggressive approach to special teams. And I love that as a abstract concept, but it did bite us in the ass in this game when uh, the defense does force a, a punt and on third and 20 or fourth and 20, the most boneheaded penalty I've ever seen for roughing the kicker. The, I, I cannot I fathom the doing most that. Clear, the most clear-cut case of roughing the kicker, sending the, the full block unit after that. And he he said something after. He's like, man, I, I know Dallas Cowboys, you know, they like their team. They like to play aggressive. So I said, hell yeah, I'm going to go block a punt. And I was, my response on Twitter was no. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's. But dumb. you know what? I, um. It is what it is, man. Um, I, I do want to talk about one thing regarding McCarthy that, quite frankly, we are, I was going to bring up the end part. of the game. Yeah, dude. I mean, they uh, all this so, talk about all this is roses today. We are very, we are one Greg the Leg fifty-six yarder missed away from being zero and two and in disarray. So, McCarthy so let's set the stage here. Absolutely fucked this up at the end of the game. So, so the the Cowboys uh, get the ball back with uh, just under four minutes to play. They get an offensive holding penalty on the return, so they start at their own thirteen. Uh, they get stuffed on a run on first down, uh, and so it's second and eleven from the twelve. Dak hits Jarwin for seven. Uh, then they run a little out route to Zeke, who gets seven. So now it's first and 10 at their 26. They run Pollard for five yards. So you've you've uh, moved the ball 18 yards in two minutes. You've burned two of the four minutes, and you've moved the ball 18 yards. I, I, I don't I really have a problem with, with this yet. But it's not, it's not a disaster that. yet. But I did hear that they were worried about repeating a week one where they give too much time to Herbert yeah. and company. And I'm okay with that approach. I but it, it, this is this is the sequence that is troubling here. So second and five, two minutes on the Dallas thirty one. You run Zeke up the middle for four yards. Then you run Zeke for three yards. Then you do a little pass to Zeke for five yards. 
Uh, now it's second and five of the Dallas 43. It is 46 seconds left. So you've burned another minute and 14 seconds for a single first down. Dak hits a beautiful slant pass to Amari, who slips between two defenders. He does get a little rib injury on this play, but so we have to burn a timeout for the injury. But 36 seconds to go. Which, which good. That was finally we used the timeout. I was screaming. Yeah. So now we're at the LA 45, first and 10, 36 seconds left. Dak hits uh, Cedric Wilson for a four-yard gain. gets out of bounds. Gain, gets out of bounds, which is great. Cedric had a great game. It's not on the stat sheet, but Cedric had a great game. Um, this is where it gets really questionable. You have 33 seconds to go in the game. It's second and four. They run Pollard around the right end for three yards. He gets tackled. They burn from th- – that, that snap happens at 33 seconds. They take a timeout at four seconds. So in 29 seconds, they get one running playoff that gets three yards and sets you up for a 56-yard field goal. Now, I heard a whole bunch of different versions of how this went down. There was like a substitution (laughs) issue, like Pollard was supposed to get off the field and didn't. The play clock that McCarthy was watching went black, and the one that Kellen was watching a camera operator got in front of, it was like a perfect storm of whatever, whatever. That's all fine. Not fine, but that's all whatever. I I don't know if it's true or not. The point is you do know that it's 33 seconds when you snap that ball. I don't agree with the play call to run that ball. A run. And then at, at minimum, the second you know he gets three yards and the clock is running, it doesn't really matter what the clock is because you know it's burning. So you either need to run up and have Dak spike or you need to burn your timeout right there. Those are your two options. And they totally froze. They went full paralyzed, had no idea what to do, burned the clock down to nothing. And then again, yes, thank goodness I, I – Recant, I recant all my slander of Greg the Leg from week one. He absolutely strokes a 56-yarder. It probably would have been good from 62. Um, but, man, dude, that's that's leaving it up to the, the gods in a very serious way. Uh, great redemption story. I was actually going to start that uh, when, when we popped again, and I, I forgot. I was going to say America loves two things. Um, or I love two things, and it's The Wire and A Good Redemption Story. And Greg the Leg was fucking redeemed in this one. But it doesn't take that my anger was. away from, from Mike McCarthy and how piss poor this was at the end of the game. And uh, I don't know. I, I just don't like any of the excuses. If you're, if you're sending in the run call on second and six, which, why? But okay, and you yeah. have to know. You, you have to have your third down call ready to go. Like, you have to have that on tap like what are you calling if he doesn't get the six yards what are you calling well if i'm just surprised it's not you, a if you're telling you have to be you know what i mean i just i just assume that they've practiced that sequence so many times they yeah. have like a, a a script of like five plays that they run in sequence to well, to get oh, them you, whatever you just, the necessary yardage is this is what you do at every end of practice every end of practice is okay go out and win it offense defense stop them. yeah two minute drill two yeah minute drill. Like, it's the most basic shit to blow off 30 seconds. I mean, I was 
it was a wild last series of events. Um, like I said, <laughs> Greg erased all wounds there with that kick. But damn, man, I mean, if he misses that, we're singing a very different tune on this. And um, that is why I have no day. sympathy for the Chargers, dude. This team did everything they could to lose this game for you, and you fucked it up. So I want to hear it. No sympathy. Zero. None. Well, if that, if the exact same thing think. happened in the opposite direction, no one would be accepting that the refs screwed the Cowboys. No one. I I agree with that, and I I, I just want to go to McCarthy here. If you have a if you're not calling plays, which Kellen is, and you have a defensive coordinator Dan Quinn doing all his side and game plan, then like this is what you do. This is what you focus yeah. on as a head coach. This is the type of shit Jason used to mess up. In fact, Jason used to mess it up until basically Tony got free reign to just be Tony and go fucking yeah. win it at the final two minutes. And Dak will get there. It still seems like. Because I was also like, at some point, if I was Dak, maybe he didn't have a play call, but I was like, man, fuck it. Let's run something. Like, I don't know what. Or spike it or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was the paralysis. I guess you don't want to spike it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was looking around and I saw like the slow-mo and then they didn't know who was going to call the timeouts. And I know McCarthy was right there. So I, I I just don't buy this. Like, well, the clock I was looking at, like, what? What were you looking at the play before? Like you had to know at some point there's only about 35 seconds left in this game. Like you had to know. So, and where was Kelly? That's, play that's call? what I. Like, so why I, is, I, why is no one calling a play? Why is no one I'm, calling I'm a play? Why is the play call not sent in? I'm willing to even accept their version that like the clock, the specific clock he had watched all game blacked out, and which actually was a big issue in the NFL several years ago. They had to pass a rule against it, like. Teams used to like in their home stadium on at the end of the game, they would like replace play clocks with like go Cowboys third down. You know what I mean? Like they do all those graphics to like, yeah. Quasi I, actually have heard that, I actually did hear SoFi Stadium. Somebody said not to excuse any of this, but it's it is not a stadium built for football, it's built for entertainment. Like when you're sitting there, yeah. it's you know on the sidelines, it's not so what they're used I'm, to. I'm but willing to even stuff, accept that like both of them. I'm willing to accept that a camera operator stepped in front of Kellen's clock that he'd been watching all game and that McCarthy's blacked out. But you for sure knew what the what the cl clock was when you snapped the ball on second and six, and thereby, in your head, you have to know that there is somewhere between zero and 30 or 27 seconds left. So there has to be a move there. So, yeah, concerning, um, like you said, obviously, like, Winning just is the ultimate salve. It just like takes away all, all pain. And so no one's talking. I mean, people are talking about it, but it's talking about it in this very different tone than we were talking about it. Uh, had it gone the other way, but the Cowboys do escape uh, with a twenty to seventeen victory. Uh, they do move to one and one, and they move on to play the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. And that was. Also, the first game Dallas has won scoring 20 or fewer points since 2018, November 29th, which was my birthday. We beat the Saints like a 13 to 7. Oh, that was such a great game. game, dude. Yeah. That game ruled. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's the first game in Dak's last six starts that the defense has not given up 30. So, I like that. Go. So, this is this game coming up is going to be pretty big. Um, so there's a three-way tie at the front of the division right now. Everyone's one and one. 
Uh, Washington did beat the Giants in a who can lose more matchup showdown on Thursday night football last week. It was one of the ugliest games you'll ever watch in the history of time. Uh, Even like the last sequence of events was such that like, it was like he kicked the field goal, but game-winning field goal, but he missed it. But then the Giants did a penalties, and they got to kick it again. It was just so bad, dude. It was just like who could make the last mistake was going to lose the game. Um, so uh, coming into this game, uh, we are tied one one and one with both Philadelphia and Washington. If we beat Philadelphia, we will be two and one, and we will be uh, we will have a division win uh depending on how washington does this week uh they are playing the at the bills so i'm hoping they will lose if they go to one and two and we beat philly we're in the driver's seat for the division and we don't really have that many more division games for uh most of our division games are backloaded into the back end of the schedule and we should be more mm-hmm. healthy um the eagles are coming off of a uh so they obviously the Eagles. Uh, I, I kind of bitched about it last week. They were they were coming off of this like trouncing of Atlanta week one, where people were like, "Are the Eagles the best team in the history of the NFL? They scored thirty points on Atlanta. Is Jalen Hurts the next Patrick Mahomes?" Dude, I saw some graphic on Instagram that Sports Center posted that was like, uh, "Jalen Hurts already has more three hundred yard passing games than Lamar Jackson." And I was just like, dude, but he's lost every game he's thrown for 300 yards in except for this Atlanta game. Like his two other 300-yard passing games were like some game where they were down by like 50 and like some other game they lost. So, dude, Jalen Hurts is garbage. Lamar just pretty much single-handedly beat the Chiefs, but hey. You know. Yeah, he doesn't need to throw for 300 yards because he puts up like 200 on the ground. So, like, yeah. so, but yes, the Eagles then, uh, after that kind of like overhyped victory, they had to go out west, play the Niners, uh, a very hurt Niners team. This is not a powerhouse San Francisco we, uh, squad at this point. We fucked this up on bets, will be bets. We were going to bet the Niners and then I got scared about their D and we thought it'd be a high scoring fair given how both those offenses. Oh, we'll get into bets. We bets, dude. We got to, we got to eat quite a bit of crow at the end of this show. I should have known it was a, anyway, it was a terrible week, but the Eagles got their ass kicked. Uh, This game was 17 to three in the fourth quarter. The Eagles scored a totally meaningless touchdown at the very end to make it 11 to 17, but the Niners were up by two scores the entire game. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts is their leading rusher as a as a team. Uh, it's it's not great. So we're going to see. Uh, obviously, division games are always wonky. Um, but Jalen Hurts is coming off of a twelve for twenty three for one ninety with no touchdowns, no picks. He got sacked twice. Um, really. The vast majority of their offense was one 91-yard pass to Jacquez Watkins. Um, no one on their team caught more than two balls. Uh, they had uh, they had some fumbling issues. Um, Dude, so they, that first half was, I think, like nine punts and a field goal 
for the first yeah. 10 possessions or something. Yeah. It was Nick Bosa, lovely. Nick Bosa eight. He got two sacks on Hertz. Um, the Eagles did not get any sacks on the Niners, despite Jimmy G not being the most gifted escape artist in the history of time. Um, so we will see, Ben. What are you? Uh, what are you feeling on this on this Philly game? Dallas does open as a we opened as a three and a half point favorite. It has moved to four. Oof. Um. Yeah, it feels right. Philly's really hard to gauge off these two games. Um. Their competition. They've also Atlanta beat us. Like we've had... we've we've gotten our ass kicked by Philly when we're a really good team, and we've beaten Philly when they're a really good team, and we're bad. So like, it's so difficult to know how it's going to go. I like it because it's at right. right home. Um, I think we will win this yeah, game. I, I think we're, we are a better team than this team. Yeah, I, I haven't figured Philly out. I don't I don't believe that Hertz is going to be a, a gifted enough passer to make it in the NFL. Um, I don't believe there was. Did you not hear when I said yet. that he has more he has <laughs> yeah, more hundred yard yeah. passing games than Lamar Jackson though? So he's I he's better. That, yeah. Okay, just making sure. Um, yeah, he can run a little bit. Um, that'll be interesting. We really haven't played a QB that can, so uh, that's pretty much their best offense. Is if he gets moving the chains with his legs, uh, none of their none of their receivers really scare me. Um, Devonta Smith may be something special one day. Uh, he had a good week one. He was really quiet in week two. Um, their running backs have never really been much. So I don't know that they're tough. I think defensively they're a much better team. I mean, they've only allowed 23 points in two weeks. Uh, like I said, I don't, uh, I don't know what the Niners offense really was doing. And I don't, I still think Atlanta can score. They scored a bunch on the bucks, but so I, I got to give Philly some credit there. Philly did lock down Kyle Pitts, which is, Whoa. I mean, Dude, for a, gener- might as for well a generation, might as well just, might as well, yeah, generational talent. You might as well just not even have Jarwin and Schultz suit up. Hasn't been. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think we – I hope we win. We're at home, and it's our first home game this year. I think the crowd will be into it. I don't think Philly's a good team. I think they're a pretty bad team when it's all said and done. They may not be as bad as I thought. They're – I don't know. They just don't have anyone that scares me offensively. I, I don't think they can put up enough points, division rivalry aside. So I'm going to say we win this one. Uh, I'm going to say 27 to 13. I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm along similar lines. Um, I don't think they can stop the Cowboys offense. Uh, I don't think Hertz can do enough to stop, to, to really like keep pace with the Cowboys. Um, I think we'll put Trayvon Diggs on Devonta Smith. The Bama boys will have a reunion, and Devonta will not be a game breaker as of yet. Uh, Jalen Rager will probably have like 80 yards and a TD because Anthony Brown will be covering him. But um, overall, Miles Sanders doesn't scare me. Uh, I don't think they have an answer for Pollard and Zeke. If Amari's full health, used to be a Cowboys killer, but. He's going to yeah. be active, I think. But, man, he's been a shell of himself for a couple but of But now they now. have – although they do have the one that got away. Dallas Goddard. Uh, picked Dallas. Don't Dallas say that name. So 
the pick I'm Dallas so, needed. I'm, needed him so bad. He's so such a different kind of player than Jarwin and Schultz. Not comparable at they, all. When they traded up and they took a tight end named Dallas the year after Witten. Dude, moved, that hurt my soul, or, dude. That, that, that was I I still haven't recovered. I mean, every I, time no. I look at Dallas Goddard, I I wish he was on our team and his I cry in my wife's arms sometimes thinking about Dallas Goddard. But um no, I, I don't think they're gonna be able to handle the Zeke Pollard combination. If he's healthy, Amari has traditionally just absolutely owned Philadelphia. Um, I want to look real quick at going back to uh, – I remember the year we got Coop, and I think – I want to say the Eagles game was Coop's big uh, – Coop's big coming out TDs. party. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was the Thanksgiving game. and Or no, it was, it was in December, and we beat them 29-23. to 23. And Coop had 10 catches for 217 and three touchdowns, which yeah. is not went, too shabby. He went buck wild. Um, I think he can do that again. I, I, I think Philly's in full rebuild mode. So they're seeing what they have in Hurts. And outside of that, I don't think they really give a shit. Of course, they'll want to beat us. Um, you know, players never tank, organizations do, but. I still think we just we're, we should beat this team. If we lose to this team, I'll be pretty disappointed on the pod next week. Like I could have accepted losing yeah. the Chargers because I think the Chargers are pretty good. You're on the road, you lost a bunch of starters. But if we lose to Philly, um, outside of Fletcher Cox, who's their D tackle, who's a monster, um, there's just not a lot of premier players in Philadelphia right now. No, so I, I agree with you there. Um, this is a game I, I think we win. I think. We can expect to win this game. Um, unlike last week where I was like, well, with how shorthanded we are, if we win, I'll be happy. Um, I'll still be happy if we win, but if we lose, I will be sad this week. So I'm going to I'm gonna say we win this game 30-21. Uh, to 21. Um, Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm, I think this is our chance to take take the division by the horns and uh, grab grab the reins and never look back, baby. This is where we – the hype train really goes to full speed. Yeah, I mean, you projected before the bias to be five and one. This is this is a good place to start. I mean, Dallas will probably be favored in all these games. Maybe not New England because people are still convinced they're good, which they may be defensively, but I just that offense can't keep up. Um, yeah, I, I I think this is a good start. So, you know, we're both predicting Dallas victories as always, and uh, yeah, and we we're gonna to need to like. We're need to to stay hot because so the Panthers are playing on Thursday this week. They get to play. They get pretty much eleven days to prep for the Cowboys. After that, um, we play Philly on Monday night, and so we'll get six days. So because of the weird scheduling this time around, um, we are going to be on a short week and they will be on an extra long week. So we'll have to be ready for the Panthers, like, who do have some weapons. They'll likely be 3-0. I'll go on and say I just don't believe in Carolina at all. I think this is like when the Bears started 2-0 three straight years and ended up being a bad team by the end of the year. 
I will be very, 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 very surprised if the Panthers are better. I, I, than I'm not super. I'm not super afraid of the Panthers or anything. I still think we win that game. I'm just like any team that gets like an extra, effectively an extra week to like prep for you. Yeah, it'll be, the NFL, it'll be three and zero coming in, and and they got some guys. I mean, hot. CMC is nasty. No, there's no denying that. So we'll have to we'll have to be on our toes. We'll have to be on our toes. So. Ben, that's kind of all I have for the boys we boys section. Should we move to degenerate gambling, or do you have anything else before we move on? Nope. Let's uh, let's do it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and eat our crow, Ben. We did not have the greatest gambling weekend of our lives last week. Outside of our one lock being Dallas, um, which we did hit on. We love Dallas. Um, they were our money line team. We went one and four. We lost all four other bets pretty quickly. Uh, uh, I re-listened to the pod <laughs> afterwards, and I can just tell how unsure of every line we were looking at. We really didn't yeah. come away. We were like, oh, maybe this one, maybe this one. So we wound up choosing the Saints, three-point favorite against the Panthers. Panthers beat the dog shit out of them. Classic Jameis letdown game. Um, Then we took uh, the Rams minus four. They wound up having a special teams gap that fucked them, or they would have covered they wound up like dropping a punt in their own end zone and getting recovered for a touchdown. Ugh. They won by three. Some bullshit. So they did not cover. Then we were going to bet on San Fran, but we wound up betting on the over of a game that wound up being 17 to nine. So that did not hit. And then we did like a mega parlay where we took all the big favorites and threw them in like a five team parlay. And four of the five hit. Four of the five one straight up is going to be good, and somehow Pittsburgh got their shit pushed in by Vegas, who is now two and zero. So Pittsburgh fucked us, which is weird because Pittsburgh's usually good to us. But yeah, yeah, they we are. got four of the five in a parlay. They don't give you money for that, so lost that one. And then uh, horseshoes and hand grenades, my friend. Horseshoes and hand grenades. So we are now on the season, uh, just three and six, uh, down quite a few units. We're going to need to. We're still playing with house money from last year, but we're going to need to have a hot week. So I turn it over to you, friend. Do you have anything you love this week? I do. We're, I'm, I know we got we got to make up for lost time. We got money to make. We got to make up for a deficit. So we're going outside the NFL, Ben. Whoa, I got okay. one for you. This weekend is, one, a bachelor party that we'll both be attending. So it'll be a good time. Two. Yes. It is the Russian Grand Prix in Sochi, Russia, the summer resort town that hosted the Olympics a few years ago and favorite hotspot of uh, quasi-dictator Vladimir Putin. Um, Sochi is also home to the uh, Sochi uh, circuit. It is the only class one FIA-approved uh, motor Speedway in all of Russia, and so they get to host a Formula One Grand Prix there. And this weekend is the uh, Russian Grand Prix featuring all the Formula One teams as they battle it out for the World Drivers title. Now, right now as we speak, the World Drivers title is separated by only four points, which is pretty rare these days. The last seven consecutive years, well, seven of the last eight years, Sir Lewis Hamilton, the knighted, uh, some believe him to be the GOAT, uh, Mercedes driver, 
has just blown through the field, killed everybody by this point in the year. He's up by like three or 400 points. It's not even worth talking about. However, this year, Lewis is not in the best car anymore. Red Bull with their stud 23-year-old driver, the future of the sport, Max Verstappen. He is actually leading the World Drivers Championship by four points. It's gotten really bad-blooded. They all, Max almost killed Lewis last week at the last race. They had Damn. a huge wreck. It's pretty crazy. It's made for a great season. They fucking hate each other. It's awesome. Now, coming into Sochi, the odds as they exist right now, Lewis is minus 165 to win the race because he's Lewis Hamilton. Max is plus 450. I'm going to tell you why we're going to bet on Max Verstappen. One, he's got the best car. Two, after that wreck last time, Hamilton being down, Hamilton's going to be looking to stay clean. He's got to finish the race because at this point, if they both wreck, Max is going to win because he's ahead. So Lewis got to stay clean. They can't wreck. They're going to be racing clean. Three is Honda, who provides the engine for each team builds a chassis and they buy either build or buy an engine to put into that car. Uh, Red Bull, the team that Verstappen drives for their engine provider is Honda and Honda announced that they were uh, releasing a, an upgraded power unit for Max's car for this race. So he's going to have uh, an even better engine than the already best car in the field when he takes the track against Hamilton on Sunday. I think Max is going to win this one, even though I am more pro Lewis myself. I'm actually more of a McLaren guy overall, but between those two, definitely more pro Lewis. think Max kind of a cunt. But Max Verstappen is going to win this race. He's plus 450. I think we throw somewhere between 10 and 20 German Deutschmarks on this race and or Euros maybe some Vietnamese dong and we come away winners. <laughs> All right. Uh, you sold me. I know nothing about this sport. So following my boys lead there, we'll throw a couple of units uh, his way. Bet on the F one, baby. Hell yeah, dude. The sport of Kings. Very sick. Very sick. Um, okay. Well, there's goats lock. Do I have a lock this week? Um, I don't know yet. I, Dude, I the football lines are, are rough, like. man. I'm 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 kind of gravitating towards Chiefs minus six and a half at Chargers. I think the Chiefs are gonna like want to bounce back from that loss to the Ravens, little revenge game. I'm not still not impressed with the Chargers. I don't think they're that good. That's my thinking. Ah, uh, yeah, I can I could do Chiefs uh, minus six and a half. I like that. I'll tell you the one I like straight up. My underdog. Um, Rams Bucks. Rams are a point and a half underdog at home. East Coast team traveling to the West. Um, I don't know. I, I I just think straight up that's a that's a toss-em game, and I think the the Bucks might. I like that. Gonna go I also think the, like, they're going to lose. Yeah, one. I was going to say the Bucks are going to lose a game. Um, the Rams have the firepower, and they got some some defense that some playmakers on defense mm -hmm. that can make Brady's day tough. Uh, we learned yep. when we played Brady that if you can take away Mike Evans, his, his day gets a little more difficult and they've got Ramsey. Uh, this also means that, uh, more than likely it's going to be a good fantasy week for me because Gronkowski is going to get a little manja manja, but yeah, yeah the, I like that game. I like Rams. 
so I got Rams. Um, I'm really interested in the Packers as a three and a half point dog in San Fran. That is wild to me that San Fran's a three and a half point favorite. I do not know who the Packers are. Are they the team we saw last week or the 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 team we saw week one? That's what you're betting on is which Packers team shows up. Is it Man Bun Rogers who looks like he steals radiators and sells them for meth, or is it? Uh, Rogers, who looks like he's in a good mood, and he's like dapping up Devontae Adams when the bomber flies over during the man- national anthem, and then goes out and throws four touchdowns. Yeah, I I hear you. I, I the Niners are banged up. Like... Though. I mean, I don't I don't think the Niners are that good. They're... They looked pretty trash yeah. against the Eagles. Rogers is a San Fran boy, so mm-hmm. you know, going back home, the Cali kid. I like anytime you can take what I think is going to be a playoff team as an underdog. I kind of like it. That's why I like the Rams too. So those are my two that really jumped out at me. Um, I agree with you on the Chiefs. I can ride that one. I don't. Really I'm very tempted by Philly Buffalo. Wash- I'm very tempted by Buffalo Washington, but seven and a half is pretty steep. I'm also tempted by Cardinals Jacksonville, but seven and a half once again. I don't know. Um, I'm also tempted by Pittsburgh three-point favorites at home. I don't think the Bengals are good yet, and they have no O-line. Joe Burrow has been sacked, I think, like six times already this year. Yeah, I like that, actually. The Let's league do that. Two years in a row. Like, TJ Watt is going do- to terrorize. Like, he might be banged should we do? Up, but should we do still- those four in the, the race and have those be our five? Yeah, I think the race is a little side one we'll put on. Um, I like those four. The only other one I was looking at that that gave me a little bit of hmm are the Ravens seven and a half to Detroit. I know it's seven and a half and they're traveling, but the Lions are bad. They are bad, but they're very bad. Like Lamar Lamar Jackson is going to run for two hundred yards by himself on that run defense. That's all. Yeah, I'll say. The, uh, we, I know. I mean, the Ravens look great against the Chiefs. They looked unimpressive against the Raiders. I know. But the Raiders are weirdly two and zero, and they beat two good teams. So I don't know what yeah. to make of the Raiders. Agreed. Um, we can hold off on that one. But that seven was and a half is is, a, is just like there's a bunch of games this week where I'm like I love the matchup. If it was five, I'd be all over it. But seven and a half is a lot. Well, we'll go with the four we like. So I like Pittsburgh minus three at home to bounce back. Um, okay. They're just too well coached, and I just don't think the Bengals are there. Uh, I like the Rams. I don't know if we're going to take the points or money line yet. They're pretty much this. It's one and a half. Um, I don't know if they're really going to lose by one. So I don't know. It might give us a, a hair breathing room. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, and then who did you like? Do we, what, did uh, we say Packers? Yeah or nay? Packers, like yes. Packers. Yeah. And uh, Chiefs over Chargers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Six and a half. Chiefs covered by a touchdown. If that moves to seven... I may not want it, or we can buy it. I agree with you. I I like it at six and a half, leave it at seven. And then uh, the young young gun, Verstappen, to win at Sochi. Yeah. And I may get a little wild at our bachelor party and look at some Ryder Cup stuff and uh, maybe throw it back there. I'll say you're. You said golf's like like super. You said golf's like super tough to bet on. Yeah. It is individually. This is team golf so it's a little different Ooh, interesting um, but i'll i'll let you know uh, if anything we'll, we'll throw a little bit i might throw i'm rooting for team usa but 
Europe wins a lot. They're a big underdog. So do they play like during the day on Friday and Saturday? They play. They have a morning session Friday morning. Then they have an afternoon session. And then they have a morning session Saturday, and then an afternoon session, and then Sunday is what they call Sunday singles. And they play – everyone on the team has to play 1v1v, 1v1v1. They Interesting. Just I got, I, it might be fun to put money on that because I got to have something to watch on my phone while I'm in the golf cart riding around with you guys. Hell, yeah. Yeah, we can do – yeah, they have like day one bet. I mean, there's so many different prop bets. You know how it is. So like day one, we can bet on – USA, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet my entire down payment on my house that a guy makes a ten foot putt just for the juice, you know, just because I need the I need the juice, Ben. Yeah, there's a lot of love to to top point scorer, which is a fun one to throw money at. But nice. We'll talk. We got all week. Yeah, to go. let's do it. So, all right, man. I like our lineup this week. I feel much more confident about this week's bets than last week's, where I feel like we were just kind of throwing darts at a board, but you need to fill slots. I feel like we have good. We got. We did our DD last week, on this one. Last we week, DD I apologize. We were two and two after week one, and I felt like we wanted to turn around. The only game we really loved was Dallas as an underdog, and we hit. Um, I really didn't love any other game. We talked ourselves into a few. I, I did love actually the mega parlay, and we just got fucked by Pitt. I should have kept them out of the fucking parlay. I just wanted a better payout. Ugh, bastards. Such is life, man. We we live and we learn. All right. Oh, so if you're following along at home, place your bets while before the lines move. These are some you're gonna you're gonna guaranteed make money this week. My name's not Ben Walker. Anything That's else right. before we get out of here, Ben? Um, no, no. Go USA. All right. Go USA, and uh, congrats. Uh, as as part of the bachelor party, congrats to our buddy Lane Broadway on his second marriage. <laughs> congrats, buddy. We love you. We do love you, man. So, as always, folks, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we do love the Cowboys, but we love talking about the Cowboys almost as much. So it means a ton that you take the time to listen to the pod. Uh, if you have enjoyed what you've heard, feel free to give us a like, a little follow, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rating on iTunes. Helps us move up those charts as we slowly conquer the entire Dallas Cowboys media sphere and uh, our offered positions of ownership on the team. Uh, and, uh, of course, if you ever have a question or comment, please feel free to reach out to uh, either our Twitter account, which Ben uh, lovingly runs, uh, or leave a comment in your comment on iTunes. Either way, we will be sure to get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, thank you guys so much. As always, I'm Andy Atelli. Benjamin T. Walker. This has been Boys Will Be Boys. Fuck Philly. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.